welcome to episode 65 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I am Daniel. And today we are joined by our good friend Trunks Mules from the Horror Throwdown podcast with Joseph Kincaid and Cisco Navarro. Thank you for joining us, Trunks. Thank you guys for having me. Hopefully I got the name of that podcast correct. The Horror Throwdown podcast, uh, right now I think we're technically Christmas edition, holiday edition. Uh, Normally for the past year we have been Frasier edition, uh, and I think we're going to be going back to Frasier now that we've done our little holiday run. Gotcha. Do you want to give our listeners just a quick sample of what your podcast is like or what like the concept of it is? I, yeah, so the, the idea is we'll watch, uh, we kind of work our way through one actor, or that's very fluid of what it could be, but one kind of group of movies, uh, and then we compare that to a horror movie that came out the same year. So when it's a Frasier edition, that means we watch a Brendan Frasier movie, we compare it to a horror movie that came out the same year and talk about if Brendan Fraser, uh, if his character would survive the horror movie, which um, yeah. is a lot of fun uh, and has led us to watch a lot of movies I never would have seen otherwise. Um, yeah, how, mine, how, mine was The Purge and like uh, like the Escape from Mars movie oh, or something. So it was like, right. like this like animated movie. It was, it was a lot of fun. I, it le- how did there, go ahead? How did this concept come about exactly? Um. It was a combination of things like uh, Joe Joe wanted to do something about Brendan Fraser and Cisco wanted to do something about horror movies and instead of like agreeing which of those to do they're like we'll we'll do both. <laughs> yeah, and just then, put those uh, hands together. Then they like yeah. told our friend group like hey, we're going to do this, get ready and I like side texted them and I was like if you guys want access to my Voodoo account you can have it just so you can like watch as many of the movies as I have. And they're like, great, you're officially the producer. And that's how I got roped in. <laughs> nice. Sweet. Well, yeah. Well, thank you for joining us on our discussion of Spider-Man far, uh, no way home. Sorry. Spider-Man, no way home. 2021. <laughs> so Daniel, would you like to read us the IMDB synopsis for sure. Spider-Man? No way home. Spider-Man with Spider-Man's identity. Now revealed. Peter asked Dr. Strange for help. When a spell goes wrong, dangerous foes from other worlds start to appear, forcing Peter to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, so, Trunks, since you are our guest, how about you start us off by telling us, what did you think of Spider-Man No Way Home? I really enjoyed it. Um, I saw someone recently reference it as basically Spider-Man Endgame, because it, <laughs> it was just this, like, if you imagine there's been all these movies and they're all just crammed together and it finally all works as something uh that like concept is exactly what endgame was and it's exactly what this is and i think for me just how much i've committed my life to superhero movies to get to something like this where i was like oh so much of what i wanted is here i was happy yeah um the kind of film student in me is able to look at this movie and say there's a lot here that isn't (laughs) doesn't make for a real like great movie but it's just the okay. the the child in me is too happy with it to to care about that kind of thing um what has been your relationship with like spider-man leading up to this are you a pretty big spider-man guy i yeah so i throughout high school read uh nearly all of the ultimate spider-man comics and then sometime in college switched over to like the main amazing spider-man line and was reading that for a long time and then i've seen i think every spider-man movie in theaters except for the two venom movies Mm, okay so um i just yesterday actually watched the first venom for the first time and gonna try to get the second one in eventually but uh there was a while where i don't know why but i got really into the idea of like if i personally boycott any marvel movie that isn't made by marvel studios that'll affect those companies into giving the rights back to Disney. <laughs> so just totally was like, I'm not going to watch any X-Men. I'm not going to watch any Spider-Man uh, movies for a while, but it, all it, money towards I mean, Disney. I say come out and I'm like, well, I need to see it. So yeah, I mean, I never saw the amazing Spider-Man movies and I feel like I haven't like, I think Logan was the last X-Men movie I saw in a theater. Um, I find that it's been kind of easy to avoid some of these. Like, I didn't see the Venom movies. Uh, I've been curious about it, but not curious enough to take that plunge. 
I mean, I had a good time with Apocalypse. Apocalypse was just <laughs> that one was bat pretty insane. <laughs> it's just bad. That one was crazy. pretty banned. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. With with most of them, it, a lot of them, it was kind of easy to just not watch some of these. Like the Venoms, I had no interest in until I was just kind of like, well, I hear Tom Hardy does two funny voices in this movie, so I I want to see yeah. that as a movie, not that it's a superhero movie. <laughs> Yeah, I'm slightly more interested in Venom after seeing these two. I'm I'm still very skeptical, but um, I'm a little bit more interested just because, yeah, this sort of reignited my love just with overall Spider-Man lore. I was playing uh, the Miles Morales game before we were talking a I little while ago. I was just looking at downloading that today. Yeah, That's solid. So, Daniel, what did you think of uh, No Way Home? <laughs> uh, so, leading up to this movie, I... I had uh, muted the words Spider-Man, muted the words No Way Home, muted yeah. the words Peter Parker on Twitter. I had muted just about everything I could in relation to this movie uh, because I was just kind of annoyed with all of the conversation about it. There was like people leaking stuff. There was people hyping up every single detail they could see. Yeah. And it just felt really excessive to me. Um, and so I was kind of removed from a lot of the hype that was building up around this movie. Uh, and it wasn't until the movie came out and I started seeing these glowing reviews coming in where I was like really surprised, uh, that I got pretty intrigued. And so actually sitting in the theater and watching this, I was pretty skeptical because I wasn't too crazy about the first two Tom Holland, uh, Spider-Man movies, but, um, yeah, sitting in the theater and watching this, it's like. God damn it. They won me over. <laughs> like I, I totally enjoyed this movie. I feel like, I feel like I like the first two acts more than the last act. I feel like, um, it feels like the movie has a lot more energy in those first two acts. It's building a lot of momentum towards this climax. And then once we, uh, get towards the climax, it's sort of, um, it wants to spend some time with, uh, its own elements uh, I'm trying not to speak to spoilers right now, but um, dancing around <laughs> it sort of it sort of slows down a little bit to uh, yeah take its time with what it has, and so it it loses a little bit of its energy uh, in a way that I didn't really like, but uh, I absolutely understand why it did it. Yeah, because um, that thing that it has is like <laughs> yeah. is such a big thing. It's, it's like it's like you have to. I <laughs> yeah, uh, you are obligated to. I think some of that too is kind of going in, even if you didn't hear a lot of the hype. I, I feel like it is impossible to not have an idea of what could be happening Absolutely. in this one. Yeah. Uh, Cause it almost feels like they marketed it being like, this is what's happening. Yeah. And then for it to take really till the, the like hour 45 minute mark for it to happen, uh, maybe even slightly later. It's just kind of like, I, there's been a lot of story where I'm just kind of like, when is, when, when's the thing I'm waiting for going to happen? And then... Yeah, it is very obvious what we're referring to, yeah. even without spoiling anything. Yeah, so uh, what, we're, if... what we're talking about is the, the multiverse aspect of this movie and the whole yeah. idea of, like, uh, Peter Parker. Hey, the whole okay, the setup is uh, Quentin yeah, Beck. let's just from, get it out of the way. Yeah, Quentin Beck, <laughs> Quentin Beck from Far From Home at the climax, at the end of that movie, he reveals Peter Parker's identity to all of New York City, all of the world. And actually, like, I watched... <clears throat> one and two right before this and it works really nicely i love when sequels pick up from the exact same point for when the one left off before and so this is the exact moment that peter parker's identity is revealed he goes down to to mary jane and they sort of entered this like really chaotic sequence of him like trying to find a safe place to like have a conversation there's like helicopters following them around and i just love like yeah like the energy of that but yeah like we know like this is a movie about him sort of trying to uh undo that and make and make his identity secret again in the process of that he he reaches out to his new buddy his new mentor dr strange to like do a spell and the spell uh is a, there's a spell kerfuffle there's a there's a, a mm-hmm. mess up at the plant and the spell goes haywire and we start to dragging in uh char- villain first it's villains from these other spider-man movie universes and then we later find yeah. out that we get the spider-man and so one of the first comments that uh, was me, Daniel, we saw with Emily. So one of the comments that Emily made when you were in the bathroom, Daniel, she was like, this is like a lot really similar to Miles Morales, even to the point where 
there's like the Doctor Strange doing like the fractals with like the train, and that's kind of yeah. like a thing that happens in um, Into the Spider Verse. And and I was like, yeah, she made a really good point that like this movie sort of borrows really heavily from Into the Spider Verse. But I mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's sort of tapped into another nostalgia thing kind of like what trunks was mentioning just like like a lot of our lives i kind of i saw spider-man in theaters like 2000 like like a really formative moment of like my uh childhood filmmaking like you know fandom or whatever and just like having spider-man being a part of our lives over the past like 10 20 years has been this huge thing and to see like this live action multiverse like version of this mixture was just like it like was really overwhelming for me at like when like i first of all i was i was surprised that andrew garfield's appearance got such a big reaction i wasn't expecting that i don't know about you trunks but our theater went crazy for andrew garfield when he showed up mine did too and i i've been talking to some people about that because what i keep hearing is andrew garfield got the huge reaction and then toby Toby Mm -hmm. mcguire gets a slightly calmer reaction and I think yeah. that has much more to do with the fact that as soon as we saw Andrew Garfield, everyone knew Toby was coming. We knew it was coming. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of like, because up, up till then, you're still kind of like, well, maybe they're not in this. Like, maybe it's, it isn't happening. And then it happens. And then it's, it's only a minute or two later that Toby shows up. And it's just yeah. kind of like, yeah. oh, well, we all already just stood up and clapped. Yeah. We, we don't really need to do it again. We have yeah, been yeah. delivered the information that Toby is an inevitability. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting, like, one-two punch because early on in the movie during, like, I really, really love that whole sequence of, like, Peter sort of just trying to, like, quiet every, like, closing all the shutters inside of his apartment, like, mm-hmm. and the camera's kind of, like, moving around and following him and it's, like, really fluid. I love that. And then we get the reveal of uh, Matt Murdock showing up as, like, their lawyer. Yeah. And, like, that got a, a great that reaction a... in the theater. That, that, to me, was the biggest surprise like that yeah. was yeah. the thing i was most excited about that's when we're like okay this is a fucking party like this is like this is gonna be like a really great like i don't know about you trunks but like we saw it saturday then saturday night at bay street our theater was packed it almost like felt like it, <laughs> it was, was scary like, packed. like oversold oh, like, yeah, wow. there was, like people Omicron like with, is on the rise <laughs> yeah, <it was> like, <laughs> like people without seats like i hadn't experienced anything like that since like prisoner of azkaban since like it was like high school since oh, i've seen man. the theater there was a dude full. in costume at our theater yeah that's there was a guy oh, in miles so morales great. costume yeah it felt so great yeah, but when fucking Daredevil shows up, it's like, fuck yes, like, thank you, like, we're finally getting to, like, sort of put these pieces back together after sort of kind of getting because, fractured a little bit. Because it's like, I think the reason I was most excited about Matt Murdock is because I was already kind of expecting uh, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire to be in this. Yeah. And so seeing Matt Murdock, it just kind of made me think, well, what the fuck does this mean for, like, the MCU now? Because it's like, we've already narratively justified that, like, okay, Spider-Man's playing with these other universes, these other characters, but it's like, to what degree are we really going to explore that? I could see that being pretty contained to this movie. Um, although we know, like, all this Loki shit and multiverse of madness I, is coming. They're, <laughs> they're dipping into it in so many places where it's like, you, you yeah. kind of see they've... It, it's one of these weird times where it's like, I, nowhere in the history of the MCU have you been so clearly able to see like here's what's happening on like the studio level that mm-hmm. like is clearly affecting what's happening in the story because it's yeah. like half the cast is kind of quitting after the first major arc they've just like bought back X-Men and Fantastic Four they're on like yeah. good relations with Sony for Spider-Man so it's like I feel like in Marvel like Kevin Feige's mind it's very like how do I bring everything in as quickly as possible? And it's just like multiverse. Like it's, it's crazy the way we talk about these movies, because we can't just talk about like the characters and the stories. There's this whole meta story (laughs) of like the business decisions, like happening behind the scenes, like which directors are they bringing in? Like uh, what are the rights disputes that are happening? And I feel like that stuff is, (laughs) It's it's almost more intriguing than totally like what is. is happening on screen. Yeah. It totally is because it's like you can be a big fan of the MCU and never see the movies. I feel like you could be a big fan of the MCU just to be like, I like seeing who they're bringing in, like the crazy because they're just so like on display with the business decisions sometimes. And then yeah, like it's like this whole drama with like. Uh, Black Panther 2 and trying to figure out what to do with Shuri is like this is like this yeah. is the most interesting thing to me on in the planet it's like what the <laughs> fuck is happening with Black Panther 2 like that's, I, well, it's, that's, uh, that, that one's extra poor Ryan Coogler man yeah. that one's extra interesting to me because like clearly with what they did on um, 
uh, what if there seems like there was some yeah. like some plans that they were kind of like throwing around. It's like here's some like side things we wanted to do more of with with Chadwick. Yeah. So with him gone, to just suddenly be like, like the plans are gone. Like it's yeah. I and I have to assume they knew more about his condition than I think we did as a public. Like you, you don't make a remember... multi-million dollar movie without knowing your lead actor has cancer. I remember he was at some yeah. like NBA game as like a special guest and like just like watching it at a buddy's house and I was like he he feels unrecognizable. He was like so yeah. skinny and I was like I hope he's okay. And I remember like looking it up and just like seeing other people talking about it on social media and then I was I was just thinking like I hope this is for a role or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and then I kind of just forgot about it until, you know, the news hit that he passed away. It fucking sucks. Yeah, but going back to, like, this whole, like, Spider-Man thing, I think it is really fucking interesting that, like, yeah, we are sort of aware that, like, there's this meta quality to this. It's actually funny that there, I think it's, we got some writers from Community who directed this movie, so kind of a connection to this whole meta creative kind of thing. Wait, so, uh, John, John Watts, he, he wrote on Community? No, Chris McKenna, I think. Oh, oh, okay. okay, sorry. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, John Watts. Yeah, because I know like the the Russos who are have been like the spearhead of a lot of the past Avengers stuff were executive producers on Community as well. Like I, I love how That's much a Community is just crammed into the MCU as well. Yeah, yeah. I think has <laughs> every main <laughs> actor from Community shown up in a movie now? Almost. I think Joel McHale is the only one that hasn't. Chevy Chase hasn't. They're yeah. they're waiting to cast him as Mr. Fantastic. I don't think Gillian yeah. Anderson has either. Or Gillian sorry, Gillian Jacobs. Jacob. G- G- <laughs> Gillian Anderson has also not shown up on one of these. Yeah. Oh, uh, that'll be May. great. She'll be a villain at some point. <laughs> yeah, but oh, speaking of villains, that's what I want to bring up. What do you think about the villain aspect of this movie is I think it's like such a really big and vibrant part of this movie. We essentially, I mean, there's five villains. We're sort of given a Sinister Six movie. If you count Mysterio as like kind of being like the, the, the grandfather of the, the other five, the person that kind of leads the other five into this. But what did you guys think about just our, like our showcase of villains in this movie? So I had rewatched the first, uh, like five, the the three Tobey Maguire's and the two Andrew Garfield's, because it's it's been years since I watched either. And rewatching those, what I realized, especially in the Tobey Maguire ones, I don't really like Tobey Maguire as an actor. I don't really <laughs> like uh, Kirsten Dunst as an actor, uh, and James Franco in those movies is just like not something I care about at all. But what makes every one of those movies enjoyable is their villain. So like mm. having willem dafoe back having alfred uh molina back molina. even having hayden christian church uh show up is that his name yeah he's great like sandman yeah i like or hayden thomas hayden uh, thomas church <laughs> i should learn imdb hayden thomas <laughs> yeah Christensen. No, i'm having to look it up <laughs> uh, yeah. but even even having him come back like it was very just like these are all the things i really wanted from those movies to be here and um I it was kind of a nice balance of like getting to see those characters you love like getting a better version when they needed it like Electro was much more interesting in this than he was in yeah yeah in Amazing Spider-Man um like Doc Ock just was like on point for being exactly how he was in that but it's like you get that where like you kind of see him come that full circle and since he's kind of they all kind of have a moment where they come back to like humanity and since he does his yeah. first, you do get a little more time of those like early scenes in Spider-Man Two, where Alfred Molina is just like just this awesome guy that you want to hang out with. Yeah, great mentor. I was really surprised by Jamie Fox in this movie. I was like, he's mm-hmm. fucking so charismatic and like fits so perfectly into this universe. I was just like, damn, like yeah, like like this is like such a a good element that we like were sort of missing, and it's really good to have. And it's like he's allowed to be like the funny one of the villains like to give the like the more humorous lines and stuff even though yeah. but he but at the same time he feels like one of the more villainous villains <laughs> like yeah. it's like he's only outdone by Willem Dafoe mm-hmm. as uh Green Goblin and Willem Dafoe kind of disappears for a little while 
Yeah, and it works because all of their sort of motivations are just in just different directions. Like, uh, the lizard is kind of just just destroying shit, and uh, Electro, he's like, yeah, like, I'm much cooler, and I have, like, uh, more of a personality in this mm-hmm. universe, and uh, Green Goblin, Willem Dafoe, is just, just a mad lad. Just, <laughs> he just wants to see the world burn, and yeah, I just like that. It's, uh, like, yeah, and then we have the rehabilitation of uh, Dr. Octopus. Yeah, I just, like, love that the whole sort of center yeah. plot is, like, this like rehabilitation of these villains and it sort of dawned on me after watching i was like oh yeah when this was pitched as like no way home i thought it was going to be like oh we're going to follow tom holland going on this journey to other places but i think it's really clever that we get all of these other people sort of coming to his new york and him sort of like finding a way to save them and sort of get them home to their their place safely and it's interesting that it's a story about saving these people um i saw someone online say that they thought it was supposed to be kind of like an immigration story that like these people are here and dr strange wants to send them back to uh basically to their deaths (laughs) um And Peter says he wants to help them instead. I don't really view it as an immigration story because uh, it's not like these are innocent people who are coming here uh, who are going to be sent back to their deaths. These are villains, uh, proven villains. So I think to me, what I was thinking about when I was watching this was like prison reform. And like, um, so the idea that like he wants to help these people, he wants to reform these people. He doesn't want to just punish these people. Uh, and it's a very weird thing to see in a superhero movie. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it works for kind of Spider-Man, but like we do get these great moments where there's great beat-up sequences with all three of them sort of fighting all these villains at once. I was a little, but I'm, I leaned over to you in the theater. I was like, this goddamn scaffolding showed up. It's, <laughs> yeah. like a, it's a superhero movie where the climax takes place during a scaffolding construction scene <laughs> fight. I'm going to get a little bummed out because <laughs> it's like in the dark and it's hard to see shit. But I don't know, it's, it's, it's nice seeing the three Spider-Men sort of team up and like sort of work, like sort of uh, figure out a way to sort of fight smartly and use their teamwork and go against the villains. But yeah, I don't know. I, 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 uh, fuck, lost my train of thought of that. Um, I was thinking about that last villain fight and totally was thinking about the, uh, multi, not the multiverse fight, the fight they have inside of the realm and he does the whole, like, oh, what's better than magic? It's math. And I was like, oh yeah, that's another like nice moment that I appreciate in this movie. And the last fight at the end with, uh, uh, Spider-Man Green Goblin, where he sort of just like, there's like nice wide shots where he's just like fucking overpowering him. Yeah. It's like to show like his power. I, I just really like those like those moments. I think they did that really well. And I was a little frustrated with some of the action, but I think overall there's just like a lot of really good, vibrant moments where it's like, yeah, it's just like just an ensemble of stuff on screen to enjoy. It's really great that they managed to bring in these other Spider Men and not just like have them be here to have fun, but also to give them sort of like heavy like character moments so we have andrew garfield saving mj in a way that's reminiscent of uh, gwen stacy dying and then we also have what you were just mentioning with um our our peter parker tom holland uh overpowering uh the green goblin we have toby Maguire getting in the way and trying to prevent him from killing him because toby Maguire, like his actions kind of led to the death of the green goblin once before he doesn't want to this is probably a mistake he's been living with for a very long time. Yeah, definitely. And Trunks, I wanted to ask you, since I, I'm going to make an assumption, I assume Daniel hasn't seen either Amazing Spider-Man movies. Uh, so Trunks, what do you think about sort of Andrew Garfield's redemption in this movie? That's one of the big conversation pieces I, about this. And I, I, I wasn't expecting him to be such an emotional core of this movie. I really, um, so I think Andrew Garfield comes out of this looking like uh, more of the, the greatest Spider-Man we ever had. Uh, just because I there was a long time where I kind of held that, and I was like, I know his second movie is probably the worst, but there was a long time where I was like, he's the best Spider-Man. And I feel like he comes back to this one, and the they both kind of get these implied stories of what happens after the ends of their movies. And just so much of his story, you can tell just by like looking at him, he's always had this like, kind of sadness the way he plays spider-man he's i think the one who gets the most how much pain there is in being spider-man and peter parker is he the one who has the moment where he tells them he loves them and he hugs them yes yeah okay yeah (laughs) um but uh so to to kind of like 
he he never lays out like here's everything that went wrong in my life but he he kind of tells you is like i don't have anybody anymore like ev- mm-hmm. like i've been in really dark places like you kind of can get the vision of like his world afterwards like spider-man may be a like a villain in that universe just because spider-man is like broken beyond repair so like you kind of get that without having to see that and then to see his arc in this where like he gets the he saves mj the way he couldn't save uh emma stone whatever her name is gwen stacy like he kind of gets this moment of realizing like i'm even without having a like person there who he connects with in his universe like knowing there's other spider-man i feel like on, on that level for him like fixes him more than it does for either of the other two like i i i came out of this just like weirdly my first thought wasn't like i want to see more mcu movies it wasn't it was just like i want amazing spider-man 3 yeah like what... well a lot of people on twitter are saying that he should be the spider-man for the sony verse that he should be the one engaging with morbius and venom and whoever else that would be great like um... i i'm fully ready for for more of him uh, and i even like i want another movie in the the raimi verse with with him but i want that one to be like like just a kind of a low like give it a like a 20 million dollar budget and it's like there's no action scenes it's just him like living a home life and like <laughs> every now and then he kind of swings out of frame but like it's just it's just a, like it's all off screen it's like a marriage story but with him and mj just like just like showing him like living a life because i I don't know. That's the kind of like random stuff. It's like that's the superhero movie I want to see, where there's no, no action. Adam Driver movie. as Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> I just want like, I because that was always some of the stuff that made the the comics great. Is like as much as like there's big action scenes, you know, you get four or five pictures and you've seen a whole action scene. The the other twenty pages in a comic book are people sitting around talking. So yeah, so much of dealing with him dealing with pretty grounded problems yeah and that's like why he was a relatable character and so Um, it's like i would love more of that like i yeah and i think they sort of understand that too because one of the overarching criticisms of the holland trilogy is like we didn't really get his origin like we sort of see him plucked into the middle of civil war and then he sort of just takes off from there then he goes to europe and all this other crazy shit and by the end of this movie it ends with him being alone in the small apartment i'm like okay that's the peter parker that we know and so yeah this movie kind of takes three movies to finally get us to the baseline that the other peter parker sort of start at and he finally gets his uh with great power comes great responsibility moment yeah which like i feel like he this character like when we're introduced to him in Civil War, he says something to Tony Stark where it's like, um, "If you can do the things that I do, wow, gosh, what is the line? It's like if you can do the the things that I do and the bad things happen, they happen because of you. So it's like yeah, basically yeah. like if you yeah if you don't use your power to save people, then you're you're choosing to allow these bad things to happen. I um, after so it is kind of reflective of that line. Yeah, go ahead. I, after seeing kind of how they handle the, the finally getting that moment in this one, I I don't personally remember, but somebody has told me just somewhere within the Tom Holland movies, we've had just, I think, one reference. Somebody name drops Uncle Ben. Hmm. But in my mind, just like the way they do it in this one, I almost feel like Tom Holland is the Spider-Man we get where we see what happens where instead of Spider-Man going to a loving couple, that he's raised by as if it's parents. It's what happens when Spider-Man's raised by a single parent who mm. like, he's clearly like got the, the, the same message from her over and over. She's never like given it to him in like a dying breath until this movie. Yeah. But yeah. I, I feel like, cause they've never addressed like the loss of uncle Ben. So I almost feel like this is a Spider-Man up till now who hasn't had the major loss. He's had like a good yeah, upbringing. Yeah. That's like taught him. He needs to do what's right. But I think this moment being where it's placed now, I feel like going forward, like we should see him being much more of this kind of classic Spider-Man who like really understands the like, like the gravity of these like problems. Yeah. I think up until now, his major loss has been Tony Stark, but it wasn't, it's not the same because it's not like he wasn't a character in that person losing their life the way he was with uncle ben in the old movies or the way he is here with aunt may um yeah 
there's a interesting thing the whole talking about like who is uh our Tom, who is Tom Holland's Ben Parker so to speak and there's a nice little beat well I don't know about nice but an interesting beat in Far From Home where the piece of luggage that he takes to Europe has the BP on it and then he loses it and then like like there's this little moment at the end where he's talking to Aunt May at the airport and she's like where's your luggage like oh yeah it all blew up and it's kind of like this like whatever moment but I was like if like if that was Ben Parker's like last piece of luggage I feel like that would have been like more of an important kind of loss but maybe it makes more sense that there wasn't a deeper kind of thing there because they were sort of thinking, okay, like Aunt May is going to give him this like moment. And I don't know. I think they do it really well. I like the last fight. I wasn't like too crazy about uh green goblin kind of like smashing Spider-Man through like the, the, the levels of the building. But like when he hits Aunt May with the glider, I was like, Oh fuck. I was like this, this like, it, like they don't dwell on it when it happens, but it, like she kind of gets hit by it and the scene kind of keeps going and they kind of like have a conversation and she like f- fucking falls down. Like, Oh my God. Like that, like really like well done. Kind of like, the true battlefield kind of thing. I can't believe they killed Marissa Tomei, man. <laughs> Dude, and, when, like, and when they stabbed Toby in the back at the end, that's when I was like, no. That was a hard no. Dude, <laughs> what, if they kill, what if they killed Toby McGuire? I was like, Toby? fuck was, no. <laughs> I do I like how they kind of just, it. they laugh that off where he's just like, I've been stabbed before. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you kind of think about it and be like, he's been stabbed before. Like Andrew McGuire get, or Garfield gets shot in his, like, they have been, oh, wow. both through, been through some bad stuff. Um, I like that there's the little scene of just the two of them where he's like, oh, my back. Like, I get back problems. Yeah, Which, yeah, yeah. Um, at the time, I was just like, oh, yeah, he's old. He has back problems. But you go back and you think about the movies. He also stopped a train by, like, <laughs> yeah, ripping yeah, his yeah. back apart. <laughs> like, like I, I really yeah, appreciated that kind of, like, moment of they, – they found a really good way to make bits humorous that were still, like – giving you backstory giving you like just kind of moments in these people's lives that we've missed over the past like 20 years and they're not all the same character like they're all peter parker but we're allowed to compare and contrast them and stuff. yeah yeah um there's a, i just wanted to bring up some of like just the visuals of it um there's a really great sequence i forget exactly he's um he's going somewhere that's like not in the city and there's like this wide shot of him just like swinging over power lines and it's just kind of like a a purple and kind of like orange background he's kind of just like just like in the air for a moment i was like it's a really like nice like quiet moment in this movie and i was wondering if you guys had any parts of this movie that kind of like struck out to you visually that were like really strong to you i mean you already mentioned it but the oneer at the beginning when uh he's like going around closing all the shutters and stuff and trying to conceal the fact that his identity has been revealed i thought that was like really interesting because it felt like uh, I just don't think I've seen something like that in one of these movies. And if I have seen yeah. something in one of these movies, it's usually they're doing a one or for an action scene. It's not a scene of just like grounded, uh, you know, character drama, <laughs> like yeah, with yeah. a comedic bent. Like that was pretty fun. I'm trying to think if there's anything that just like visually really got me, but I, you know, I, I did the thing I love to do, but I followed this up like an hour later by watching uh, Nightmare Alley. So it's like any visuals I have for <laughs> either nice. of them are just like <laughs> stupidly mashed together. Inflated and mixed. It's like, I really like it's the like, scene where he's so looking at the jar with the baby with the one eye in it. Like that's, that was and in Willem Spider-Man, Defoe's right? In both movies, I know so. that was my biggest, like when I realized that I was like, Oh, I'm doing a Defoe double feature. Like this is going to be a, yeah. it's going to be a bad a Defoe day. Defoe double. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was saying that, yeah, Willem Dafoe is so fucking good in this movie. Yeah. It's just insane. Like, his face is just one of those faces that we just need to have on camera every year until we can't anymore. We I, need, to just make, <laughs> need to make that happen. I don't know what's going on. Like, he must, something crazy must have happened in his life. Because he, I feel like in the past two years, has been on, like, a Nicolas Cage level of, like, acting. It's a little, where yeah, he's a little like, renaissance, a little. He's, he's in, like... 14 He's... movies in the past like three years like every other movie it's like oh and willem defoe's in it i'm like okay well i'm watching it like but it's like yeah. when was he first because i remember seeing spider-man when i was like 13 and being kind of annoyed with green goblin i was like this is too much uh <laughs> and so i feel like i didn't really come around to willem defoe as an actor until i saw life aquatic um but yeah, like when did when did each of you like when did Willem Dafoe become a guy for you? I know for a lot of people it's like Boondock Saints. 
Yeah, I remember like seeing Boondock Saints and being pretty into it. Yeah, like Spider-Man, honestly, I was a really big fan of Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 when they were first out. And yeah, I think then later on, I think, yeah, like the Wes Anderson stuff and him being in the lighthouse kind right. of really solidified yeah, it. The yeah. lighthouse, I think, was the moment where I finally was able to look back and be like, oh, this is amazing. And then I'm like, wait, he was in this and he fucking destroyed it. And he was in that yeah, and he yeah. was just... So it's like after that movie, I was just like, oh, like how have we not been like praising Willem Dafoe all along? Because he's been doing exactly what he's doing since like the mid 80s. Like he's he's never not been like this over the top, like perfect, perfect storm of insanity. Uh, Oh, wait, I think you're probably going to say it. Northman. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I just watched the trailer for that today. And like, it looks fucking awesome. (laughs) I I think that's part of why he's suddenly popping up in so much more stuff where we're like excited to see him cuz I think uh, somewhere along the way he worked with a few directors that love to just keep bringing people back. Yeah. And so he's popping up in more movies like he's in way more Wes Anderson's after Life Aquatic and he, you know, now he's with Dave Eggers too or um yeah. Is that his name? Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers. Dave Eggers, I think, is the writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Trunks, what have you been uh, watching this week? Uh, okay, so, I mean, it's Christmas season, so the majority of what I'm watching is uh, bad Netflix Christmas movies. I watched, um, yeah, uh, was it Castle for Christmas? Which that one's fun. It's got Brooke Shields and Carrie Ells. And then I watched. Castle. Yeah, he, she goes to Scotland. It tries. It, Carrie Ells is Scottish. It, it's a whole thing. It, it's fun though. Oh, okay. Um, and then I watched a California Christmas, which uh, one and two, which those are a lot of fun. If you like noticing things that make no sense, having grown up in Northern California, like a yeah, they take a helicopter from Petaluma to San Francisco because it's too far to drive. And nice. like, there uh, he has to get up at six a.m. in December, and the sun's fully up. Like, lots of fun little, yeah. little jokes like that. Um, more interesting, I've been I've been watching. Let's see, I've been watching Hawkeye as that comes out. Yeah. I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. Um, are where are you guys watching that one at all? Because there's some yeah, things I'm, that are fun to talk about. So yeah, caught up. We yeah. can spoil. Uh, spoiler alert for Hawkeye. Kingpin is in it. <laughs> I was so excited because, like, I had just saw uh, D'Onofrio had posted something online, like, congratulating Charlie Cox for coming back. Oh, really? To, because it was announced Charlie Cox is going to be in the She-Hulk series. Oh, really? I because, did not know that. like, She-Hulk's a lawyer, so that's going to be, like, a lawyer's mm. show. And they it's going to be a legal drama? Yeah, it's going to be a legal drama with fuck Hulk. Fuck yeah. Um... <laughs> In Daredevil. So, like, yeah. he had, like, congratulated him, but then he pops up in one, and now Daredevil popping up in, in Spider-Man. It was so just weird. very, like, I'm so happy all this is coming together. Okay, so I have some questions about all this multiverse shit. So, all right, let me figure this out. So, Venom exists in the same <laughs> universe as Morbius, because we've seen, we've seen Morbius mention him in the trailer. I, well, okay, but what's weird is in the trailer for... Morbius. Uh, he, he makes a reference directly to Venom. He says something about yes. Venom. But we also see a copy of the Daily Bugle from the Raimiverse. We see the Oscorp building J. Jonah from um, Amazing Spider-Man. And there's a kind of picture of Spider-Man that they pass that someone scribbled murderer on that looks yeah. like the Tom Which Holland. Which would make sense if it was Tom Holland universe. So, and he interacts with Michael Keaton, and he sees Michael the Keaton. So <laughs> in the Tom Holland world, I so. so like I almost feel like they made that movie, like the team making that movie, heard everything that is happening in the one that's being made meant the universes were colliding and were staying collided. Yeah, because I almost wonder if they're going to just, just been... be like all three exist at once. Yeah, four. it's just all been put in a blender, and now it's like it's almost like how post blip in the Marvel universe things are different. Now there's post uh, Peter's wish, I guess, that everything's fucked I, up. Yeah, seriously. It's I almost feel like they need to just commit to that. Like, just say like, yeah, everything's canon. Like every Marvel product <laughs> yeah. ever is all canon in the MCU, unless we don't reference it. 
Yeah, yeah. Just do the I don't know emoji. There's like whatever you want. Yeah, I yeah. Kingpin showing back in sorry, Kingpin returning in Hawkeye was really fun for me because I feel like it validates all of the time and emotional energy given to those Netflix yeah. TV shows. I know it that may, it continue. May, yeah, it just makes it feel so good that that, that just wasn't for nothing. Because I feel like yeah, it's like those were like really fucking fun. I remember my dad was a big fan of the Daredevil show when it came back. He was a fan of the Daredevil comics back in the day, and so. It was really cool having those shows be back, and I don't know. It feels really good, sort of, just to like have that validation to be like, okay, like that, like your time wasn't wasted. Like you're, yeah. you're going to be able to see these characters again and have them be introduced into this context. It wasn't, you no, know, it's not even more than six, seven years ago. It was yeah. not that long ago. I, well, what's the, crazy? They're really great. I kind of jumped out of those uh, partway through Punisher, which was you know right after the first after they did the crossover uh, Defenders. But yeah, apparently yeah. after that, they did another, like, five seasons across all the shows. Yeah, yeah. Because there's, like... What, a... what What do you mean they did another five oh, seasons? Oh, so there's a, there's a third season of Daredevil. There's a third, uh, okay, second okay. and third season of Jessica Jones. There's a second season of uh, Punisher um, and Luke, Luke Cage, Cage and yeah. Iron Fist. Like, every other show got another season or two after Defenders. Okay. Which I kind of was fully unaware of so it's like there's yeah, a no, ton same. of content there i haven't watched i went back to netflix and they had the whole thing where like you go through and it's like the red bars and i was like oh wait season three and it was all empty and i was like i thought i'd watch season three of daredevil but i guess yeah i never yeah, I think after, i never watched it yeah i think after luke cage i kind of fizzled out after uh spoilers luke cage after they killed uh marsha hollow I, so I was kind of just like kind of... that's another point where it's like as much as they're going to be bringing in the parts of those they like like maybe we'll see the same actor for daredevil like we know we're seeing daredevil we know we're seeing kingpin but it's like i would not be surprised if they want to recast iron fist or something yeah uh, yeah because it's like how much of this is we are getting those characters from those series versus we're getting those actors cast in the roles <laughs> uh yeah. but it's like a different I you know, it's timeline. Yeah, I, I feel like it's going to be like you can still go read the old Star Wars comic books and have fun that they exist and those characters did those things, but it's not really canon. Like I, yeah. I hate, <laughs> like I hate having to be the like canon gatekeeper for for Marvel <laughs> stuff. Well, because it's like okay. Well, speaking of uh, Star Wars, they brought back. Is it? Um, he's from. He's got the blue skin. He's like a emper- imperial guy. I don't know. They brought they brought back. Oh, God, uh, no, uh, Thrawn. I want to. Yeah, Thrawn. They brought yes, back yeah, Thrawn right. from the extended universe into the new universe, but it's not the Thr- the same Thrawn from he, back his then. His story just... is like totally different. His, his like timeline's yeah. different. He's in like the Clone Wars, not like after. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. So it's. I mean, Star Wars is a whole other case where they're now just like, <laughs> yeah. here's like a, a gold mine of ideas for us to like put into what we want now. But with the Marvel stuff, it's kind of all happening semi in real time. Mm-hmm. So they're like retconning it as it's happening. So it's and it's hard to, you know, if you ever want to tell someone like, here is what you can pay attention to. It, it's become a lot more is, complicated. <laughs> it is. It's like you can watch some of this Daredevil stuff, but not all of that matters like... It's weird that, like, you could be watching every MCU movie, and then you get to this movie, and you're like, okay, now you have to watch five more <laughs> movies if you yeah. really want to. You don't have to, but if you really want to get the most out of this one, you got to watch five other movies I... that came out before the MCU existed. <laughs> well, not I guess not Amazing Spider-Man, but... I, yeah, it's... <sighs> yeah, I had that feeling I was watching Black Widow, because I was, like, into Hawkeye, and then... Uh... Yes, and uh, um, Yelena, whatever her name is, uh, what's Florence uh, or something? Like yeah, yeah, yeah Yelena shows up, and I was like, oh, this character just kind of cool. So, I, like, went to Black Widow, and I appreciated kind of doing my homework, but also, yeah, it's like it's a little weird sort of watching that movie because it shows up so late, but it's also set in a different time frame, and then it also deals with another. It deals with um, they introduce a Taskmaster into that, but it's like a different version of Taskmaster that's just like silent and just a killing machine people weren't su- super happy about that and i was just like yeah that like, one is really weird because it uh watching it i was very like this movie should have come out when like 
Iron Man 3 yeah. came out. It, it should come out when it's set within the Marvel timeline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, if it had, I mean, you wouldn't have been able to have uh, Florence Pugh as that character, but also that character would have just kind of disappeared for a while or would have yeah. had to have been around. So it's it's kind of like it. that movie on its own felt so out of place, but it, I feel like it is going to kind of end up being a bit of a building block for what's what's moving forward because they're clearly leaning into that character. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, what have you been watching this week? I have not been watching much this week. I watched the first episode of season two of The Witcher. Um, okay. And nice. like the first season of The Witcher, I kind of just like half paid attention to. Um, I, 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 I'm glad that there is sort of higher production value fantasy stuff that's airing on these services because it is surprisingly hard to find a good quality production value fantasy stuff. Um, a lot of sword and sorcery movies are kind of low quality bullshit. <laughs> and I think yeah. that's part of why the Northman looks so exciting is because it's going to have a little bit of some fantasy elements to it. But, um, but yeah, season two, episode one, I was pretty engaged the whole time. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's about, um, Geralt and Siri, they go to this uh, this building where there's this man who's been cursed. He's been transformed into a monster, and it sort of has this Beauty and the Beast vibe. Uh, oh, cool! And he's clearly hiding something on the property, um, another creature of some sort. And um, the guy who plays the Beast, I'm forgetting his name, but he uh, he's the redheaded dude from Game of Thrones. The uh, Oh, okay. The like, gotcha. wildling guy. Uh, yeah, the Torin, wildling guy. T uh, t I want to say his name was Tormund. Yeah, or Tormund. Tormund Giants Bane. His name's Christopher. <laughs> Christopher Hiv oh, Hivju love or something. Like names. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he show but, up in a uh, bunch of uh, like Sprite commercials for a while too? Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> I hope he did. I yeah, remember them being like wild too, because he's just kind of. I feel like. The only thing people seem to know what to do with him is let him, like, do his crazy smile and, like, yell, which I'm fine with. And be in the snow. Yeah, and be in the snow. But, uh, well, I think I think it's actually snowing in this one, in uh, <laughs> season two, episode one. And he's also, you know, they give him, I mean, he's a beast, so he's covered in fur. It's, he might as well have his big beard. Um, but, yeah, in addition to this, we also checked out uh, Emily was watching while I was working um amazon's wheel of time and this is something i like i was working so i only caught glimpses of it but i was really impressed with like the creature effects in that show um they're actually like doing like the first episode has this very prolonged action sequence where it's like this is going on for way too long but also <laughs> i am totally into this like seeing these like big horned creatures just like chopping people with axes and shit um so maybe i'll check that out some more i don't know we'll see but yeah, that's about that's about all I've been uh, watching this week. Have you watched um, oh, what's it called Shadow and Bone that Netflix no, did? I have not. Uh, it, in terms of like high quality kind of modern uh, fantasy things, it's on the edge of worth checking out. It, it it's clearly based off like a YA book, mm, so yeah. it's as much as it's fantasy, it's still kind of like oh, there's fun fantasy elements here, and it's kind of a uh, like industrial revolution, like Russian mythology like it's a weird kind of vibe but like enough that it's fun and a little bit to get past like you just have to get past the like okay all the characters are more interested in like kissing each other than solving problems <laughs> but uh, i'm still i'm still waiting for quentin tarantino to do a fantasy movie because you know he jumps around between all these different genres i think it's only a matter of time like imagine if like hateful eight uh was you know medieval and jennifer jason lee was a witch like, i think that'd be fucking rad if they had just set like hateful eight in you know the warcraft universe you know it worked. bob the mexican was bob the orc what about the exact <laughs> yeah. same movie how about you thomas what have you been watching lately uh so i wanted to mention a few things so a few weeks ago i talked about i was playing uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War and I was like not really interested interested into the 
political aspects of the game. I thought they were kind of gross, but I toughed it out and I kept playing. And actually, the game is fucking really good. There's a lot of like spy and espionage aspects to it that I really, really enjoy. There's like parts where there's like a level you go through, you're shooting people or whatever, but you're like collecting evidence. You're like getting like like taking pictures of maps and collecting audio tapes and listening to audio tapes with like coded messages in them and like they give you like like cold war kind of like secret decoded messages you have to like sort of break down and there's this whole mini game where there's like eight suspects and there's different code names and different locations and different countries that they were in you have to like sort of do like a little guessing game to figure out like was like you know the iron lady in like barcelona at this certain time to like do this certain shady thing and i was really into that and so like the game kind of like won me over like whenever you're not shooting people in that game it's a fucking like a lot of fun and like there's a lot of really cool spy mechanics there's this whole thing where you have like a camera and you can kind of take pictures of enemies and sort of keep track of them like by taking Mm -hmm. pictures of them and i don't know i think once those like sort of more like genre aspects of that you know the spy stuff sort of come to the top of the game i really enjoyed it so i was like not really feeling it but then as i got deeper into the game i was like this is really intriguing and they they put a lot of work into it and there's a lot of different like different paths you can go down so i'm looking forward to playing it more um so i just wanted to do a little revised review of uh, Cold War, Black, uh, Black Ops Cold War, but also there's a new show on HBO Max right now called Chillin' Island, and Chillin' Island is this very strange show that's like an offshoot of a podcast, and this podcast, uh, the host was the hype man Dapwell from Das Racists, um, Lacutus, the singer, it's like a dude from New York City, and then uh, Despot, another rapper from New York City. So these guys are kind of in the greedhead kind of das racist era of rappers and like weird kind of uh, performance artists, artists kind of in that era. And so those three guys made a podcast. And so this podcast has been on for a, a couple of years. And so now they have a TV show where it's like in it like a very free form like adventure camping kind of show. It's narrated by Stephen Wright, and it's kind of just hmm. like just these three dudes kind of just like in nature talking about animals and stuff. The first episode has young thug. And so they're hanging out in the desert and young thug gets flown in on a helicopter. And they're just like talking about snakes and like the universe and shit. And it's just like such a fucking great thing. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of fuck that's delicious where it's just like three friends, rappers, kind of homies from New York city traveling around the world, eating great food and kind of just capturing great scenic footage and just, having a, a really great life and enjoying <laughs> enjoying great shit and so chillin island seems to be like a version of that just without with the food taken out of it and it's just, just more of like a psychedelic hangout kind of show so it's really fucking bizarre but it's a lot of fun and i i recommend it the first episode is just like what the fuck am i watching we're watching like young thug talk about snakes and like adam and eve and all this weird stuff and mm-hmm. I, don't know, I just love like this new like era of talk shows that hbo is kind of pushing of just like really free form really loose just like people kind of our age just kind of just like having stony free form conversations yeah. it's like totally the kind of shit i'm into what was that called again it's called chillin island chillin the podcast okay. the podcast is the same name um but yeah chillin island is on hbo max all right oh okay I just looked it up. I've seen the trailer or the the poster for this. Yeah, I, based on the very, poster, yeah. I thought the main two people in it were Little Yachty and Young Thug, which yeah, like which I was too. excited for that. But if if it's if they're just kicking around for a while, that's still cool. Yeah, I'm I'm always down to sort of hang out with rappers and sort of have their personalities kind of get you know strip it down a little bit and see them sort of in more like casual kind of settings. I re- I'm really into that and. I'm really into just like yeah travel shows and just you know seeing you know who we all like seeing great nature footage and <laughs> eagles and animals and shit we all we all love that kind yeah. of stuff i love like shows where it's just allowing people to have conversations that i feel like are are worth listening to yeah like yeah, um yeah uh, the the one lebron did for hbo the the, the barber shop or whatever it was called yeah that one's fun too. that's yeah. great and then um Oh, uh, there's one on CNN I watched a lot uh, with W. Kamal Bell. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He's good. What's that one? United Shades of America. I love that show. Yeah. That that one's more of like trying to do 
like no reservations but without the food aspect I yeah. guess. <laughs> but um yeah i love i love those shows and i love when food's involved too so fuck that's delicious and yeah i like the shop because it's a really great just clash of personalities and just like oh here's lebron james talking to just like a comedian i well that that, i think it was just that first episode but it was like lebron james a couple other athletes and then john stewart and like john stewart (laughs) being there was just like i just want to listen to john stewart talk to these people on their like about topics that i feel like john stewart shouldn't know much about because it just more points out every time i hear him talk he's like you just like are part of everyone it seems like <laughs> yeah i hope he never gets in huge trouble like every other person i oh. ultimately <laughs> enjoy <laughs> yeah i haven't watched his new talk show but i'm i'm definitely intrigued it it's one of the like four things that's just got me right on the edge of paying money for apple plus <laughs> wow yeah 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 it's tough Okay, well, I think that might be it for 65. Any closing thoughts about Miles... Mar- uh, sorry, about uh, No Way Home, uh, Spider-Man, uh, anything? Um, they should have included Ben Affleck's Daredevil 2. I think that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah. I um, no. the, the one thing I would, especially since you said uh, Miles, is I would have loved to see Shmeek Moore pop up in this too. Um, yeah. just like pull his character from Spider-Verse over. And I'm also interested to see going forward with Spider-Verse, like how is it connecting over? Cause they've, there's been a little talk that Tom Holland yeah. might pop up in that, but like, yeah, that's interesting. Even if they just let, like if I can imagine they could get Tobey Maguire to pop into that easily. I want them to let that be its own thing. Like I, I really liked that into the Spider-Verse movie and I don't want to taint it with all these other like, business politics like deal making behind the scenes and stuff just like just let us enjoy this thing this like, I, very character driven i actually you know. no i totally agree with that i i don't want it to be bogged down by connecting to the mcu yeah but i would like acknowledgement like i yeah. i feel like it's going to drive me endlessly crazy to be like we have two spider-man <laughs> stories like two big name spider-man things happening at once basically tackling the same subject and they never connect yeah there's a lot of universes out there, you know? Multiverse, I, yeah. it is infinite. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. They they have Donald Glover in Homecoming as uh, Uncle Aaron. So yeah. I, I feel like they, they were definitely... They have him in oh, there. He's, he, Miles, Miles Morales is definitely alive yeah. in our New York City in MCU. I hadn't put that together, though. That's who that yeah, character was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally forgot about that too until I rewatched Homecoming, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like my, <laughs> like my, my literal like the inspiration for my entire personality in my twenties is in this movie. My favorite <laughs> I, fucking hero of all time. This poster is right fucking next to me <laughs> right here." So. I will re it was rewatching. I was just sorry, diving fully back into the conversation, but rewatching um, Amazing Spider-Man when I did recently. Uh, I had kind of while watching that, I was like, "Oh shit!" There was a time where like. Uh, Childish Gambino was almost in this and yeah, yeah. I had to like then remind myself and he was gonna play Peter Parker that was a pre Miles Morales world yeah which yeah, like yeah. I and I like as soon as I remember that I was instantly taken back to like that moment being like god I I wish that fucking happened like I remember you and me being at a uh, a Dude, show of yeah. his at the <laughs> no not even the Fillmore at, at Slim's like the first show he ever did up here yeah, and like the, the hashtag Donald for Spider-Man, he like threw and, it yeah. into some song, and the crowd fucking went insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was fucking real. Yeah, yeah. The hype was absolutely real. Yeah, that was pre Miles Morales. So yeah, that was the, I, for sure I, a different because era. that's why they made Miles Morales was that whole. No, thing. yeah, yeah. Seriously, yeah, yeah. It's pretty. Yeah, honestly, yeah. It's good to like, sort of circle back to that because it's honestly it's pretty incredible. It goes back to this whole thing, Stan Lee about like anyone can sort of be in that suit anyone can sort of embody that character and yeah this movie does a really wonderful job of doing that and sort of just reminding us of just why this character is so iconic yeah. and relatable and just, just everything and why he's just so fucking just great why we love Peter. i think that's what's kind of funny and i think that is going to be the major difference between uh like the tom holland kind of crossover stuff and spider-verse is spider-verse is about it could be anybody because it, it's not just peter we see variations that aren't peter parker it could be a pig it could be a pig it could be a 
you know, an anime robot and a little girl. It can be, you know, Miles. It can be Peter. Yeah. But, like, in yeah. the Tom Holland one, it's like, well, there's a lot of Peters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still fun, though. Still good. Still really happy to see them all on there. And it's great. Okay. This is... Yeah, and I, I had a lot of fun because that was my 190th movie of the year, creeping towards 200. Just had to throw that out there as a flex, episode 65 of Vague Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, if you would like us to watch a franchise, franchise suggestions, if you want us to watch the Garfield Spider-Man films, let us know, and we'll do it. We'll check them out. Uh, you can tweet at us, at VagueZone on Twitter. If you would like to join us in the conversation on there, please follow us and let us know what you're thinking. So yeah, this has been episode 65. Trunks, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us about Spider-Man and of all of those great Marvel things. I just real quick want to shout out, uh, check out my podcast too, uh, Horror Throwdown. Yeah. You can find us on Spotify or Apple or a whole bunch of other places. You can find us on Twitter at Horror Throwdown and Instagram Horror Throwdown Pod, I believe. Just hit us up on in Twitter though, because I control that one and... I'll talk to you directly. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Join that. I was a guest on there. Joe's great. Cisco's great. It's a really fucking fun <laughs> show. It's a. It's honestly one of the nerdiest conversations I've ever had in my life. And so it's 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 great. I really. I will say I podcast. on Friday I, I saw Spider Man with with Joe, and I told him I was coming on this, and his reaction was just pure hatred that you didn't invite <laughs> him. So, no, uh, we'll have him on. I, 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 he, he knows. Joe, if he, he's listening, he knows. <laughs> I, I love him, and he will be on the show. I, well, I know you guys are doing um, Matrix next week, and not to not to pimp out my, my co-host, but he is a big <laughs> Matrix fan, so if you hit him up, I'm sure he's on board. <laughs> we might be booked, but there will always be welcome to have him. Uh, sorry, I'm Thomas. <laughs> and I'm Daniel. <laughs> and we will catch you on the next one. All right, peace. <laughs> Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catches seeds, just like guys, look out, here comes a Spider-Man.